Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! So three men uh, died and ended up in hell. They were greeted by a fallen angel in hell, and the angel told them, hey, you can stay here happily for all eternity as long as you do not step on a frog. Well, the three men agreed not to step on any frogs, and they all went on their way. Well, the first man only lasted a couple of hours before he ended up stepping on a frog, and immediately the fallen angel appeared and tied the ugliest woman he could, he'd ever seen to the man's wrist. Well, the second man lasted for months before stepping on a frog as well. He stepped on a frog, and the fallen angel appeared and tied an extremely ugly woman to his wrist. Well, the third man went for years and years and years without stepping on a frog. Well, out of the blue, all of a sudden, a fallen angel appeared with the most beautiful woman the man had ever seen and tied her to his wrist. And the man asked the woman, "Uh, whatever did I do to deserve such a reward? And the woman turned to the man and said, I don't know about you, but I stepped on a frog. (laughs) That's a real bad joke. Uh, We are continuing with our series today on angels and demons. Uh, And today we're going to look at a a very interesting subject. We're going to look at fallen angels. And so before we even get into the message this morning, uh, I need to give you guys a disclaimer. It's a two-part disclaimer. Part number one, what I'm about to teach you is probably going to break a little bit from tradition, uh, maybe what you have been taught. However, I promise you it does not break from Scripture. Scripture is always more important than tradition. Part two, uh, today's message is going to feel a little Lord of the Ring-ish. It's going to feel like you're reading a fantasy novel, but again, It does not break uh, from Scripture. And so what I want to submit to you this morning, uh, as we delve into the topic of fallen angels, is that I believe there is an absolute concrete difference between fallen angels and demons, that they are not the same creatures. They are two distinct creatures, fallen angels and demons. So Here's probably what most of us have been taught or at least thought as we read the Bible. From Revelation chapter 12, uh, we are told that a war broke out in heaven. This is pre-fall of man. Uh, Satan tries to power play God. He is proud and thinks that he can ascend above God. And so Michael, who we talked about week one, the archangel, leads this angelic army uh, against Satan and his followers, his angels, or the angels with him. Uh, We're told earlier in Revelation chapter 12 that one-third of the angels in heaven took Satan's side and there was a rebellion. Again, Michael is this powerful leader of God's angelic army, and so he fights the battle. Uh, You read this last week 
Uh, Alan Cox preached for me while I was in Virginia, but I want to read it again just to set the scene. It's Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, that's the devil, was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Okay, so the common thought is this. Everyone agrees on this battle in Revelation chapter 12, is that Satan lost the battle. He was hurled down to to this earth And the angels that fought with him were also hurled down. They were also cast down to the earth. And that they are now the demons that we see all throughout the New Testament. And then we talk about being demon-oppressed, demon-possessed. That that those angels became the devil's henchmen. That they were uh, the, the demons that we know today. And so that's kind of the traditional church teaching. Well, I'm going to challenge that teaching uh, a lot today uh, because I believe there is a distinct difference between a fallen angel uh, and a demon. Let me just say right out of the gate, the difference is not in intent. They all have the same goal, to kill, steal, and destroy your soul. But it's different in power. We talked week one about uh, good angels, and we talked about the different ranks and the different types of angels, and I believe this is going on uh, in the fallen world today as well. So fallen angels hold more power and more rank than demons. So before we get into this crazy passage of Scripture in Genesis, what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes to kind of lay a foundation, and I want to offer you three differences— between a demon, particularly in the New Testament, and a fallen angel. There there, there are three differences. I'll I'll try to go quick. This is a lot of material. I'll try to get out in one sermon. Number one, demons need bodies to habitate. They don't have their own bodies. They're evil spirits. Fallen angels, as well as good angels, do not need their own bodies. They have bodies bodies. So demons seek to possess bodies and seem rather uncomfortable if they're not in a body. Take, for instance, the story of a man named Legion who was possessed by a couple of thousand uh, of demons. And he was, Jesus appeared and those demons knew who Jesus was. And they say, what have you come to, are you going to throw us into the abyss before our time? Um, he, he, He doesn't do that. But in the story, they know Jesus is going to cast these demons out. And right before he does, they beg him to let them go into a herd of pigs. We find this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at a distance from them. And the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. 
If you know the story, Jesus grants that request. You've got 2,000 pigs. These demons leave this man's body. They immediately find a pig to habitate, and the pigs run off a cliff into the water, and they drown. It's the first case of swine flu we've ever heard of. All right, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> now, I think they wanted to be in those pigs because they, they, they craved to be into something, and they were also afraid of Jesus. So they were in these pigs. They ran from him, fell off the cliff. The pigs died, and then they had to go find uh, another entity to possess. Listen, in Scripture, you're going to find that demons greatly desire bodies because demons do not have their own bodies. Demons are clingy, they're needy, they're angry, they're tormented creatures. Fallen angels and good angels, just angels overall, can appear in physical form and even interact with mankind. Uh, from Scripture, we see that both fallen and holy angels have bodies. They don't have to possess a person like a demon does. So this, let me give you a couple references if you're taking notes. Um, angels can appear in human form. In Genesis chapter 19, you, you may remember a man named Lot, and he lived in, in these wicked cities between these two wicked cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, there was a lot of evil things going on. Two angels actually came to visit him. The men of the city saw these angels and they desire to have intercourse with them. They said, bring them out. We want to have intercourse with them. Now, the angel just went and struck them all blind. Um, but nevertheless, these angels appeared in human form. And in Genesis 18, you have an angel that sits down and eats with Abraham. And Matthew chapter 28, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and an angel appears to her and she thinks he's a gardener. Then you have the, the ascension of Jesus in Luke 24. You have an appearance of an angel in a human bodily form. So angels don't need a body. Demons do. Uh, angels can also speak to men, sit down, take them by the hand, eat with them. They take on human form. In fact, the Apostle Paul gives us a little warning in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And so they can appear in human form, seen form. They could interact with men and women, sit down, have a conversation with them, even eat with them. In the Bible, angels were also capable of direct physical combat with human beings. You have this crazy uh, story in the book of 2 Kings where the Assyrians uh, were really a thorn in the side of Israel and God had had enough. And so he sends an, an angel to slit the throats of these Assyrian soldiers. And I want you to see, he does this in one night. This one angel in one night. We see it in 2 Kings 19 verses 35. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death, now listen to how many, 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp in one night. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Okay, so again, demons can possess a body or have to possess a body where angels do not. They have their own body. All right, second difference 
And here's where we get kind of science fiction-y. Here's where we get kind of weird, all right? Demons wander the earth. Fallen angels have extraterrestrial power. Extraterrestrial power. In other words, the demons that we read about in the Bible are cursed to wander the earth. They're wandering the earth looking for flesh to possess while fallen angels actually have the ability to be here on earth, but also to transcend into heaven, into the throne room of God. They, they are able to move between earth and heaven, extraterrestrial. Uh, when you read the book of Job, a, a lot of people will point out that Satan is Satan wants to tempt Job. Satan wants to mess with Job. He's this righteous man. And, but in order to do that, he has to go up and he, he has to talk to God. And we talk about the fact that he is there talking to God and they're arguing about Job. And, and, and God says, well, you can do anything you want to him, but you can't kill him. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to see something uh, in Job chapter 1, verse 6. Because it's not just the devil that, that comes up and talks to God in his throne room. I want you to see this, Job 1.6. Now there was a day, and here's the money phrase, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. That term, sons of God, is used five times in the New Testament. Every time it's referring to a fallen angel or, or, or a spiritual angel, one or the other. These sons of God, these fallen angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and then you have a footnote, and Satan also came among them. So you know the story of Job, but what you may not know is that the story of Job took place after the great flood of Noah, which means that this definitely took place after the fall of both man and Satan from heaven. Job twenty-two fifteen and 16. Will you keep the old path? that the wicked have trod. They were carried off before their time. Their foundation washed away by a flood. So think about this for a minute. If the devil in his fallen state was among the angels who had to give an account in Job, it's consistent to believe that these sons of God, these other fallen angels were also called upon as well. Fallen angels can appear in heavenly places. Therefore, Fallen angels are not bound to earth. Demons, however, can only wander the earth or live in a body. As Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 12, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through dry places seeking rest but finds none. Nowhere in Scripture do you see demons able to move from the earth up into the presence of God. But you see it several places in uh, in Scripture where fallen angels are able to, to, to do that. So they're extraterrestrial. Third difference, uh, it's just a terminology thing. There are different words used for these creatures. Demons are called demons in Scripture. And if they're not called demons, they're called devils and unclean spirits. When the, when the Lord is talking about an angel, he will use in the New Testament the word angel, and in the Old Testament the term sons of God. So there's a difference in terminology because they are different creatures. So with that in mind, let me just take you back to Revelation chapter 12, uh, this war in heaven. Um, verse, I'm going to read the whole thing again. Uh, now there was a war in heaven, 
and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, Satan. The deceiver of the whole world was thrown down to the earth. Now listen to this. And his angels were thrown down with him. Satan and his angels were cast down, not Satan and his demons. So Revelation chapter 12 explains to us where fallen angels come from, but it doesn't tell us where demons come from. And so how did we get demons here on earth? I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture uh, that, to be quite honest with you, has been purposely avoided by preachers and teachers everywhere for years because there's a lot of arguing over this passage. Um, You just don't hear a lot of preaching from the text that we're going to land in. Now, before we get to this text, let me remind you of my disclaimer. Number one, This is my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours. This isn't a salvation issue. Study this for yourself. One of our deacons, Alan Cox, preached last week uh, about the spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. And and we've got to know our enemy. Part two of my disclaimer is this. It's going to feel like we're reading a fantasy novel here. But again, it doesn't break from Scripture. We have this really bad habit of reading these supernatural things in the Bible and trying to put them in our flesh. Like, well, that, this is the only way this could happen, right? And we try, you watch the History Channel, that's all those religious shows are, are doing that. Um, we're different. We're physical creatures. These are marvelous, wonderful creatures that, that are way different than we are. So obviously it's going to be uh, like a fantasy novel a little bit, but it's not fantasy It's truth. And again, it does not break from Scripture. So here we go. Genesis chapter 6. We'll look at verses 1 through 4. Verse 1. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them. Let's stop right here. What, the, what Genesis is saying is that uh, the earth's getting crowded. This is after Adam and Eve and the earth is starting to be populated and, and there's babies and children and generations everywhere, right? The earth is starting to get crowded. The sons of God, verse 2. Now remember, what's a son of God? It's a fallen angel in the Old Testament. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any that they chose. So here's what you have going on. You've got these beautiful women on the earth. You've got these fallen angels who aren't demons. They don't have to to possess these women, uh, but they want to marry them. Okay, and the scripture says they took them. These women didn't have a choice. Uh, These are powerful beings. You're going to be my wife. I'm going to take you. Okay, verse 3. Then the Lord said, and this is the beginning where you see the Lord uh, getting very frustrated. Genesis chapter 6 is this pivotal chapter in the Bible. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever. For he is flesh, 
and his day will be 120 years. And then verse 4, here's where it gets real weird. The Nephilim, some people pronounce it Nephilim. The Nephilim were, born, were on the earth in those days and afterward. And how did we get the Nephilim? We're going to talk about what the Nephilim are in a minute. When the sons of God, these fallen angels, came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These, the Nephilim, were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Okay, so here's what you have. You have the sons of God. You have these fallen angels who saw these beautiful women. They took them as their own wives, falling angels appearing as humans and taking wives, not only taking them as wives, but somehow supernaturally procreating with them. Because the text says, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. So you have these angels lusting after these women. They take them as their wives. They inseminate them. And the result is this hybrid race that Scripture calls the Nephilim. Now, I want to talk about the Nephilim for just a second. Um, in, in just a second. Uh, but let, let's talk about these sons of God. I believe these sons of God were these fallen angels that pro procreated with, with women. And for that procreation, uh, God is, is going to punish them. So let me, let me show you two passages in the New Testament that, that have also kind of given biblical scholars a little head-scratching moment, uh, but I think they line up with what's going on in Genesis chapter 6, and I don't mean to confuse you. All right, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Um, let me say this before we begin, when we get into this. For that, pre that procreation... Angels having babies with human women in Genesis chapter 6. I believe God that was so fed up that, that he punished them by putting them in everlasting chains until the day of judgment. And we're going to see that. Look what Peter says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 verse 4. For if God, now don't miss this because this is pivotal, did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell... That word there is a terrible translation. That's why your Bible is going to have a footnote. It's the word Tataris, which is the waiting place of the dead, Hades and Abraham's bosom or paradise. He's got them in, in, this, in this abyss, in this hell-like place, in chains. And, and it says, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept, now don't miss this, until the day of judgment. All right, so I want you to think about this for a second. That phrase, God did not spare angels when they sinned. What sin is he talking about? Because if it's the sin of rebellion in heaven that we read about in Genesis, or I'm sorry, in Revelation chapter 12, um, that sin's not punished yet. That sin's not going to be punished until the final battle, until hell's fully created and the devil and his angels and his followers are cast in, in hell. That's why Peter says, until the judgment. So what sin is he referring to here that has put some of these fallen angels in chains already? Hold that question. Let's go to the book of Jude. Jude's this little short book before Revelation. It's only one chapter long. And here's what we read in verse 6. And the angels 
who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. So you have both Peter and Jude talking about the fact that there are these fallen angels that have crossed the line. They had done something that had made God so irate, he would no longer let them run free like the, like the devil and the other angels. He actually put them in bondage. Why? Well, I believe it's because they crossed the line. They did the unthinkable. In their wickedness, they committed what some scholars call celestial rape. These angels are in chains in gloomy darkness until the day of judgment when they will be cast along with Satan into hell. They crossed the line. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 for a minute. And then here's where we get really weird. Verse 4, I told you we'd come back to the Nephilim. So again, let me review because this can be confusing. Fallen angels, beautiful women, procreate. You have these, these children, these babies. Verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. It's interesting, the word Nephilim means fallen ones. It's from the Hebrew word nephal, which means to fall. But it is also used as the word giant. So you have these strong, powerful, half-human, half-angelic creatures who are called mighty men, these, these giant fallen ones. And so what you have is you have this race, basically, of half-angelic Half human creatures. Did it not tell you it was going to get weird? Did it not tell you it was going to be like a fantasy novel? But it's straight out of scripture here, Genesis chapter 6. We're told that these are mighty warriors, ancient men of renown. So just for a visual, I'm not preaching Greek mythology here at all, trust me. Uh, but for a visual, think Greek mythology for a minute. Think of the term demigod. All right, a demigod is when one of the Greek gods would procreate with a human woman and they would give birth to kind of this super strong, supernatural warrior. Like the most famous is probably Hercules, who is the son of Zeus and a human woman. Okay, so these half godlike, half human creatures, uh, they were strong, they were powerful, but yet they had mortality. They could die, but they also possessed incredible strength. So that's the picture I want you to have in your mind of these, what the Bible calls these Nephilim. All right. Now, here's what's very interesting to me. The interesting part of this whole story is where we are in the Genesis narrative. We are in Genesis chapter 6. There's a big event that changes the whole course of human history in Genesis chapter 6. Do you know what it is? It's the flood, the flood of Noah, where God wipes the entire population, less eight people, off of the earth. Okay, so we're told these fallen angels marry women. You've got this Nephilim race. That's verse 4. 
Look what happens immediately after that. Verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I've created from the face of the land. But not just man. Animals, creeping things, birds of the heaven. For I am sorry that I made them. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see, God is about to destroy everything he created. And I don't think it's a coincidence that verse 4, you've got these half-angelic, half-human creatures contaminating the human race, procreating, and God says, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm sorry I even did this. I'm wiping everything out. But then he found Noah, whose family was pure, who was probably a, a human race, and they were righteousness. And then you know how the story goes. Noah was on the arky arky and, and, and all those songs he used to sing, right? Okay, <laughs> so let's go back to 2 Peter for a second. We just read this verse a couple minutes ago. Verse 4. For God did not spare angels when they sinned. I submit to you that sin is procreating with women on earth, but cast them into hell or Tartarus and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. And what a coincidence. What's the very next thing Peter talks about in the New Testament? Verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. All right, so let's review real quick. Fallen angels with women of men, born of these half-evil angel, half-man creatures, mighty warriors. It doesn't say they were good warriors. They were mighty warriors. And God says, that's enough. These angels have sinned. They have crossed the line. I am chaining them up. They are in the pit until the day of judgment. They'll never see the light of day again. You now have a contaminated human bloodline. And God says, I'm going to wipe it out. But the only people to survive are Noah and his family, eight survivors. The world is cleansed by a flood. Everything is killed except that the, that is on the ark included, now don't miss this, included in what was physically killed through the flood were the Nephilim, were these mighty, half-angelic, half-human creatures. Now remember, these are evil, fallen angels. So these are evil, disembodied spirits. They're not man fully. They're not angels fully. And so they don't have anywhere to go. Jewish theology and many in the evangelical circles believe, as I do, that when the Nephilim race was wiped out, that's where we got our demons. That, 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 are, that is these disembodied spirits. And since they're half human, that's why they always crave to possess. That's why they always crave to get inside. Because they know what flesh is and what flesh feels like. And so you have these demons who are basically the foot soldiers of Satan's army. They don't have as much power as fallen angels, 
They have to be in somebody. They can't go to heaven and come back down. They're bound to earth. But make no mistake about it. They all have the same intent. And that intent is evil. A fallen angel, a demon, Satan himself, what Scripture calls a prince of Palestine, a ruler of the air, a morning star. All of these have, have three goals in mind. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. They are not our friends. They hate the human race. They really hate the Christian human race. So you go back to Ephesians 6, where we were last week, real quick. I'm, I'm just about done. Here's what Alan Cox read last week, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We get too worried about the flesh and blood, right? Wrestling about the flesh and blood. No, vote for Biden. No, vote for Trump. You know, just fighting flesh and blood things, right? We, 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 that's what we have a tendency to wrestle Paul says, why are you worried about that? That's not our fight. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we've got angels here, angels in the heavenly realms that we are battling against. We're in a war, and I want you to make no mistake about it. There has been a long war against God, and the war is simply over one thing, your soul, my soul. This is what this war is about, and the enemy will, will stop at nothing to bring us down with him. And I want you to make no mistake about it. Evil is real. Hell is is real. There's a popular theology going around in the evangelical world that hell's not a real place, that we're in hell now, that this is hell and, and there is no place called hell. Well, there's a few problems with that. The biggest being that Jesus mentioned hell more than anybody in the Bible as a real, literal place. And what's happening is we're forgetting that we have a battle raging around us right now over our souls and the souls of our loved ones. And, and Scripture says that the God of this age, Satan, has blinded some people's minds. So we say, hogwash. You know what I did? I went to church and that crazy preacher was talking about angels and having babies with humans and these giants and, and God wiped the earth out. How in the world is that possible? That's what he wants us to believe because he wants to narrow everything down to the flesh and blood. But friends, God is not flesh and blood. God is light. God is spirit. God is truth. God is love. He is an original one kind, and he is nothing like we have ever seen. Him and his angelic army are here, but also Satan and his demonic fallen angel army are here. And if you don't think that every decision that we make, there's a war of pushing and pulling going on, your mind may have been blinded by the God of this age. There is a war. We are in it. We are called to take up our shield, our sword, our belt, fit our feet, put our helmet on, and go to war over things unseen. There's a war for your children's souls. 
There's a war for your grandchildren's souls. There's a war for your soul, for your well-being, for my eternal dwelling place. There's a war. So make no mistake about it. Evil is real. Hell is real. The devil is real. But Jesus saves. Paul said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can't, demons are these little foot soldiers, these these little ankle biters in relation to fallen angels. We don't have enough power to even deal with a demon on our own, do we? Now think about a powerful fallen angel. That scripture says, hey, greater is he that is in you than any of those creatures that are of the world. You have the power of Jesus Christ living in you. Wake up, look around spiritually, and realize that we're in a war. But also realize this, because I've read the end of the book. We win. God wins. Jesus wins. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.